Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is happening, everybody? It's Jason Wright, the host that you thought quit. I didn't quit. Been busy with a bunch of different stuff. And we've been recording podcast episodes, believe it or not. I just haven't released any in far longer than I would have ever planned. So my sincere apologies. But guess what? We got lots of new episodes coming out. As always, get into some of my random thoughts. Hell, where do I begin? What is my excuse? What have I been doing that's been so important that I haven't been making podcasts? Well, you know we moved from Indiana to Georgia. That's not new news. October, honestly, was a probably my heaviest travel month of the year. Not my heaviest, close to it. If not number one, number two. I did three events in less than three weeks. Let's see, where did I go? Went to uh, the Rays Masters Retreat down in New Orleans and came home for maybe a week four days a week, something like that. Went up to Beardsley's event in New York City and then flew straight from New York City to Carefree, Arizona, which is a northeast suburb kind of of uh, Scottsdale. And then uh, had an event in Scottsdale with Paul Montalongo and his group. And it was smaller gathering, a retreat, a real, real cool experience. All of it was cool, but that's an exhausting amount of travel for a husband and father and guy that's got two companies so it it was a lot and then you know you still try to get settled and all that from the move and then you blink and it's November and then it's like oh shit we got Thanksgiving coming up you know so here we are but Thanksgiving is past at this point it's uh, November 28th the time I'm recording this intro although the episode content's older than that uh, so anyway we are we're back with a vengeance and excited and indebted to you to bring you some more great guest conversations. My guest today, another good dude, client of mine, I've met this guy in person. His name is Trevor Skelso. He is the founder and CEO of 20 Plus Capital. He is a combat marine with several deployments to Iraq. And he is a short-term rental investor and a short-term rental management company owner. So Got into short-term rentals for kind of his piece of the real estate investing game that was interesting to him, which I like, very interesting to me as well. And he built his own short-term rental management company out of necessity because nobody else was doing it at the level that he really expected and needed. So good conversation. Let's dive in, shall we? Let's check it out. Hey, Trevor, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Great, man. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell me about your journey into real estate investing. I'd love to hear this. Yeah, man. So I got into real estate investing in December 2020. I closed on my first house as an investment. I was I was originating mortgages and uh, I don't know if you heard, but the rates were really good in 2020. And so my business was also doing really good uh, as a mortgage originator. I'd, I'd been doing it for a couple of years at that point. Um, so I was already there when it happened. Uh, when things started going crazy and so I was just working a lot 
a lot. I've never worked that much in my life. Also, I had not made that much money at any point in my life up to that point. So I needed a way out, really. And a friend of mine posted his Airbnb on Facebook. And I was like, it was, that was like a light bulb moment. I was like, I could do that. I can buy a house, you know? I have access to these great mortgage products. Um, I know them really well, and I can get myself into better rates than I'm given my clients, which are have shattered every record in the history of mortgages. So I did, and uh, eight, within 18 months, I ended up purchasing three single-family homes and operating them as short-term rentals and built out a management company uh, at the same time because we just couldn't find competent managers. I had partners on one house, and so we, we, uh, we formed a management company to operate our own homes, and then started operating other people's homes as well. They also invested in additional homes and it just, it just had a really couple good years of just really diving into every aspect of short-term rentals. And last October, completely walked away from mortgages and 100% focus on, uh, on short-term rentals at this point. Awesome, man. I love it. Short-term rentals is still a good space to be in, isn't it? I would say so. It's very easy to lose money now, I would say, whereas... When I started, fortunately for me, right place, right time, it's very difficult to lose money, actually. Prices hadn't skyrocketed either had, and rates were super low. So, you know, you were almost guaranteed to make some money just because the holding, the acquisition holding costs was so low. Yeah. And there was a lot less competition on Airbnb at the time as well. I wasn't the only one that had the idea to get into the game. So now you got to be very selective and very strategic about how you move forward. But the return potential is still incredible. So do you still have the property management company as well? Oh yeah, yeah, that's moving along pretty good. It's pretty well stepped up at this point. Uh, we've hired sales reps to help grow because I still I see a really strong demand for affordable, competent management. Yeah, you know, so we're we're pushing that out nationwide. Nice, very nice. Yeah, so I was telling you before uh, we went on air today that. We bought a new house in coastal Georgia. And one of the ideas I had for this house was like, hey, maybe we could short-term rental this. But I was like, we're in Martinsville, Indiana. There's nothing really here. So probably not the best market. My wife's like, yeah, we're not doing that crap. Let's sell it and move on. So I think if we were in an area that actually made sense where people would come, you know, maybe it's worth talking about more, but there's no reason for people to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's important. Yeah, there needs <laughs> there needs to definitely be tourism, if you will, or, you know, regular and frequent and abundant travel to the place. Absolutely. That's a prerequisite. Yeah. And if it were 40 minutes north, like in Indianapolis, I mean, I think there's enough going on there. It might make sense, but not here. So, all right. So you focus on short-term rentals. Is there any certain markets that you focus on or how do you, how do you approach those? So I look for places that are not only well-traveled to, that's like what we just spoke about, but also that have some really strong uh, recession-resistant parameters. You know, it's been a big concern for a lot of people lately, and rightfully so. I mean, what I've found is the country is littered with locale, you know, zip codes, cities, even metros that did not experience a real estate downturn when the rest of the country did, yep. or when 70 to 80% of real estate markets tanked those 20 to 30% that didn't, I've been really interested in those and, and the reasons why they didn't tank. And is that a reason that still exists today? Yep. And I'm finding that the answer to those questions is yes, across many local real estate markets. The same is also true of hospitality economies. Just all the same things are, are true. And then like finding the places where those intersect, where they have vibrant 
And by vibrant, I mean resilient, I just simply mean like slow and steady real estate price growth, right? They don't have really strong upswings and then they don't have really strong downturns. That's what I've really noticed about real estate economies is the one that are just like stable growth year after year. It's like the same last year as it was this year, regardless of what's going on in the national economy. Those are the places where I would want to call investing in real estate the safest and hospitality economies are the same places that are just enjoying slow and steady growth in their greater economy and in their hospitality economy in particular. So more of a characteristic of the local economy that I look for than I have like, I'm really interested in Scottsdale, which is a hot place to invest in short-term rental students. Scottsdale is also one of the first places to go when an economy, when an economic downturn occurs. So, you know, I've been just looking for characteristics of an economy mostly. It's really interesting when you when you think about that, you think about, all right, the U.S. housing market, their short-term rental market, then you start breaking it down to these individual areas. It's so neat how like even within a city, there can be parts of the city that are hot and parts that aren't. So as I learned more about this stuff and talk to more people, it, it's kind of perplexing how much more complex it is than it seems. You know, you'd think, oh, well, this area is probably this or that. But it's, if you start to dig in, I mean, it can vary even by like neighborhoods and things like that. So pretty neat. Even by streets. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when you're, you know, there's some locales where it's like I would only get property if it was on the water, right? On the lake or on the beach. Yeah. One street back, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, but there's one town that has a really, really big local attraction and mostly only interested in investing on the north side, the, the homes on the very north, the neighborhood just north of it. Just south of it, not so much. And for some reason, that seems to they do better there. So yeah, it's just like you said, it's really interesting the, the nuances that you can find at the local level. Well, let me ask you, like in regards to short-term rentals and Airbnb, how important is like the marketing, like the pictures and descriptions? That stuff matters a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, so pictures are your most important asset for marketing, for sure. It's the first thing people see. And your first picture is the most important one, obviously, the one that they actually scroll past or stop and look at it and then click to learn more. Yeah. We get professional photography for every home and oftentimes we do more than one photography shoot, you know, we, as we update, right. Cause it's definitely not a set it and forget it. Like you, you put it out there, you get feedback from guests, the market just evolves and you improve the property and we'll reshoot it. Right. So, or we'll reshoot the same exact house just because you know what, we want slightly different angle and lighting. Yeah. You know, it's so important. Yeah. So that's uh, a highland description too, for sure. Yeah. To be able to capture like a nice sunset in a really cool area makes a lot of sense. So that's that's an example that makes uh, total sense. So let me ask you, as you kind of have started to grow this, what simple marketing strategies have helped you get traction, getting investors into your business? What's working for you? Or, you know, at first it was just making good active income, (laughs) investing our own money. That, and then, you know, as far as like, People just saw people that we know saw it and wanted to participate, you know, so that was at first, it was just that just like osmosis or word of mouth. Nowadays, as I'm delving more and more into bringing in just, you know, investment dollars, other people's money into deals that I run, that I operate and and people truly invest passively, they don't sign on the mortgage, right? Like that level of investment, social media content has gotten appointments booked on my calendar, right? People just sneak into my my dm if you will whether i see my content and i do intentionally try to make my content that way you know I, 
And as a general rule, leading with education and just kind of fire hosting people with information. And then the towel I offer is my help, right? To just like, I'll do it for you. I've been doing some webinars lately that's been uh, gaining pretty good traction, getting people in, in front of me. But it's all geared towards conversations ultimately, right? Like, you know, the when I was doing mortgages, I feel like there's a lot of parallels. As a mortgage, you, do, you never close a transaction on the first conversation. It's a process. If you're buying a house right now and it's soon you're probably getting a mortgage, probably had more than one conversation with your loan officer, you know? So to me, it's a lot like that. And uh, I measure it the same way I did doing that is it comes down to conversations. There's initial conversations and follow-up conversations. And the more of those you have, the more business you're going to do. Yep. I love it. I always say conversations lead to conversions and some people don't seem to get that. And I'm like, the people that you, you know in your real life and the relationships you care about, that's what you do. So why would it be different online? Now, what social channels are working best for you? Instagram has been going really good for me. Now, I resonate the most with real estate and mortgage brokers because that's what I was doing before. And I understand all their headaches, yeah. right? It's like why I got into short-term rentals, just escape all the headaches I was having in that business. So I largely speak to them when I'm speaking. Yep. And, and as a result, those end up being the type of people that kind of get into my DM, you know, so... You know, what you're talking about, speaking to a former version of yourself, it's always the easiest avatar to focus on because, like you said, you understand the language, the pain points, and when mm-hmm. he sees that content, who's exactly your target, they'll be like, man, this guy's talking to me, right? And that makes it it makes it easy, and everybody else is like, this isn't for me, and that's fine. You want that. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Tiny audience strategy, I'm fine with a 1,000 or 2,000 followers that are all highly engaged. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure that my avatar, as you said, like, I mean, I'm, it's pretty well confirmed. They're all on Instagram, you know, so that's what works for me. I think there's other professions that are more heavy on LinkedIn or yeah. or something else, you know, but Instagram has been going pretty good for me. Nice. I like it. So throw you a little bit of a change up here. What would you say is the biggest mistake or the biggest regret you've had so far with your marketing? With my marketing? That I didn't do it sooner. Yeah. I would say that. Early in 22, I decided I, I wanted to focus my business on investors, my mortgage lending business, and essentially try to maintain this mortgage lending business and this helping investors in short-term rentals. What it really came down to is I was whole a half-assing two things instead of whole-assing one. I mean, it was what prompted me to walk away from lending. But I didn't really nurture people like I should have. I would, you know, getting investors is, requires even more nurturing than, than getting someone alone. I wasn't really strategic or diligent about social media, about attracting, nurturing, educating, and converting leads, you know? So I just kind of freewheeled it, I guess, thought I'd kind of figure it out. And, you know, I, I didn't get into a, a mastermind until the end of 2020 that actually focused on the marketing aspect of, of raising investment dollars. So, you know, I wish I'd have started that at the beginning of 2020 instead of at the end, but I thought that's not the biggest regret, just didn't start marketing properly sooner. Yeah. It's a common uh, realization that people had. I mean, I'm guilty of it as well, but you know, the, the fortune is in the follow-up, the nurture is where it's made. And it's like, I'll say this all the time, the content matters, but not as much as you might think as people will forget the content, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So the touch points is, is really where the magic is. It's a brand awareness, right? It's just the other way to look at it, but that's where, for like our business, that's the stuff that I've seen. that's just unbelievable. Uh, staying in people's 
heads top of mind, whatever it may be. Sometimes I take risks and recently I announced a cigar club I'm working on putting together and I haven't seen that many unsubscribes in a while on my email list, but it was fine because the response makes it so worth it. I was like, the response far outweighs seven people leaving who I don't even know who they are. So no worries, but sometimes you need to take chances and risks and see what happens because you may have a an angle or something that works really well that you've never tried. So take some risk and see what happens. Absolutely. Can you share a story about your real estate investing journey you haven't shared publicly before? So what we're trying to do is just get to know a little bit more about you. Most people say something funny. Uh, sometimes there's a lesson, but it can be anything you want to. A real estate story? Yeah. Man, I mean, that I haven't told before. I mean, I'm kind of an open book, so I, I talk about all of it. Okay. Um, or you can share your favorite, whatever comes to mind. Oh, many good ones. You know, I just tell you one that kind of stands out to me. It's a success story, but I definitely made mistakes when I first started uh, investing in short-term rentals. Fortunately, those mistakes were covered by really low interest rates and holding costs and prices that hadn't gone up so high uh, on the first one. By the second one, I kind of think I'd gotten things figured out and it was in uh, Williams, Arizona and I bought this house, operated it profitably. And, you know, it was, I think, returning at about a 20% cash on cash rate of return just from operations and, and ended up uh, selling it right after. I have this habit of when I buy real estate after I've owned it for a year, you know, I prefer to hold the, the property forever, infinite returns, right? But there's always some price I'll sell it at. So I might as well put that on the MLS. Yeah. And so I did that with this property and it sold, man. <laughs> Someone bought it and it was a 40% appreciation in one year time, which was well above even the, the explosive growth that that time frame was seeing and even in that locale. So I'm not sure if I actually forced appreciation or not, but because I did sell it to an investor and I actually still managed the home. But it happened, man, it was pretty cool. And that's definitely at least a tip that I would give to anyone. Like no matter what your hold period is, yeah. list it now. There is some price that you'll sell it for right now. Yeah. And who knows, someone might be willing to just buy it. Yeah. People can't buy what's not for sale publicly, you know? Right. Exactly. So very cool. I like that. All right. Let's say that you had a conversation today with a brand new person wanting to raise capital. Uh, what one piece of advice would you give them about their marketing? You know, I would defer back to the conversations thing, right? Like building relationships. That is my number one measure of how successful I'll be in the future is like, just talk to your prospective or ideal investor investors as much as possible. The more you talk about what you're doing, the, the better. But aside from that, as a, like a simple measure, just start, just start, just take action, right? Like whatever initial idea you have to market yourself, to attract investors, just start. Because it's so easy to just think about it and spend all of your time learning and very little to no time prospecting and producing, yeah. you know? Yep. investment. So just start. I think it's great advice. And this is kind of unrelated, but you'll appreciate this. I used to, a long time ago, I used to do like some consulting on like starting a podcast, right? When a lot of people uh, hadn't done so. This is probably six, seven years ago, a long time ago. I talked to this guy and he was like, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to start a podcast for a little while now. I've just been kind of scared to get started. So I've been researching it, right? And I was like, how long have you been researching it? He's like, nine months. I'm like, bro, just report something right out there. Like you'll, you'll improve it as you do it. But what are you waiting for? Nine months? Just do it. And I'll hope yeah. not, but that's uh, kind of an extreme example. But yeah, like 
when I uh, started this business almost eight years ago, for like the first year to year and a half, it was self-improvement books and listening to other people and watching other people only. I didn't really do anything. And then I got to a point where I was, it's time to get paid. So I need to start doing stuff. You know, you get to the point where you fail so often, you're like, failure is that litmus test that I'm trying something. So if you stop failing, you're probably not doing much or you're kind of staying in the comfort zone of what's working. So that's how I'm wired. That's how I go with. But yeah, at the end of the day or when in doubt, just act, just take action and you're, you're going to learn things along the way for sure. Absolutely, man. You know, you got to be comfortable with the fact that, that like you said, you're going to fail. Like you're, you can't figure it all out beforehand. Yep. Just go and fail. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're recording this on um, the end of June, 2023. As you kind of look forward to the rest of this year, what are you most focused on in your business? Growth, growth in both sides of things. I want to grow my portfolio. I want to help other people participate in that, you know, leverage my skill set with their money yep. and grow their dollars. Same thing with the management company. I have sales reps. So like my really big focus is, is growing, helping them grow their business, my sales representatives, and in turn growing the management business. So we're in growth mindset right now. I love it, man. I think you'll do great. Okay, so for anybody watching or listening, if they want to learn more about you or what you've got going on, how can they do so? They can definitely uh, visit my website to learn a bit more about me, 20plusCapital.com. That's on the investment stuff. Or if you want to get to kind of know my personality, Trevor Celso Actual, my Instagram handle, if you're ready to chat right away, because I'm open book. I'll talk about short-term rentals all day long with anyone and see if there's some way that we can collaborate in some way or another. 702-660-1120. 702-660-1120. Shoot me a text. My phone does not ring or make any noise at all. So text me. I'll follow up. There you go. Sounds great. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I like what you're doing. I like your vibe. I like the confidence. I think you'll continue to kick butt and take names. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, Our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.